Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today I'm sitting down with Russ Mitchison, founder and CEO of Rebel Angel Strategy, offering united brand thinking and solutions to ensure your brand's media and messaging are working effectively together. Welcome, Russ. Thank you very much, Darren. Lovely to be here. Well, uh, thank you for making the time. Um, it's an interesting proposition because there was a time when uh, both channel and content, creative and media, were actually inextricably linked. You know, I, I think I started in the industry just as it started to be pulled apart. But anyone that watches Mad or watched Mad Men would see that the two went hand in hand. What happened? I mean, it's... It's a tragedy, really, that I believe the industry is still living with that separation of church and state or the uh, the false division that's been created between media and messaging. I don't believe has ever benefited clients and I don't believe it's ultimately benefited the consumer because if you're already creating a schism at the beginning of the process, what you end up at the end of the process is invariably quite fragmented campaigns where the media and the messaging are not necessarily working together. Or if they are, it's through hard work, diligence, a clear process and an integrated strategy. And in many instances, that doesn't happen. I was going to say, there's a lot of elements there that you have to pull together to actually get it to to come together. Um, Is it your observation, your experience, what was it that made this the right move at the right time to, to create Rebel Angel Strategy? Uh, you know, to really focus on this because you know, the world's full of strategists, you know, and and all sorts of strategists. You know, we've got marketing strategists, we've got social media strategists, we've got channel planners and strategists. You know, what what was it that makes this the right move at this time? Um, great question. It's a couple of things, I suppose. Firstly, the issue is there. So it is this fragmentation is an issue for marketing directors. So that's a kind of a clear and present danger and an opportunity. Um, Secondly, my lived experience is as a strategist, both at creative agencies, media agencies, digital agencies, social agencies, um, for brands, for entertainment companies. So I have I have literally circled the wagons on this and and physically done the strategy in each of these instances and so I have kind of lived the 360 uh, integrated strategy experience can bring those skills to bear and then thirdly in terms of timing um, I mean it's a bit of a a cliche but post-covid is a great opportunity since the day-to-day working practices have already been disrupted to go in there to shake things up to challenge the status quo and I've found that where potentially clients have said in the past, yes, it's an issue, but you know, I'm not sure if now's the right time to do it, or you know, we've already got entrenched, you know, relationships or processes or agencies. I find that now, coming out of COVID, clients know that it's a problem, and now's the time to do something about it. Things have already been disrupted, 
So here's an opportunity to, to, to rethink the way that we go um, to market and to create new ways of behaviour. Well, it's certainly, you know, a part of our practice is helping clients, marketers, rethink and redesign their roster of agencies, you know, because over the years we've seen clients go down this path of ending up with a specialist agency for every capability they need and then they get sick of managing them all and they'll collapse it down. And when they say they want to get down to one, they rarely get to one unless they go to a holding company model. But even then, you've still got individual agencies inside the holding company. And their frustration is that no matter what they do, uh, from the village approach down to the consolidated model, they find that agencies really don't collaborate well. You know, that even though they expect them to and they ask them to, uh, most agencies really don't get that piece together. Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, that is a, a very clear problem that, that constantly exists in the marketplace, as you've just said. And I mean, part of the challenge is when this schism happened in the 90s, I believe it was for the opportunity to create more profit, to have two or three or four clear profit centres for agencies um, and not putting the client's best interests at heart. And of course, that financial model has therefore continued. So it, it's it's wishful thinking for a client to come in and look at different profit centres, aka different agencies, and demand that they all just work collaboratively together because innate within the way that these bodies are enumerated, there is a disincentive to collaborate and there is a clear incentive to compete for a bigger slice of the pie. Yeah, because one of the things people forget is that at the same time that media got split off from creative, as you say, for opportunities of multiplying you know, clients that they could handle. We also had in many markets the loss of the commission system. You know, the accreditation system was being questioned by clients all around the world. And, and the old financial model of basically taking somewhere, depending on the market, between 10 and 20% as a media commission was a great way to run a business because the more the client spent, the more money you made. The two things, one is splitting them off, the other is the loss of the commission system actually has done more harm to the agencies themselves because we've had these now 25 years of constant downward pressure on agencies. So while the uh, holding companies were thinking, well, we'll split media off and double the number of clients they can handle, they've actually ended up doing it for a tenth of the price in some cases. Yeah, very fair point. Careful what you wish for. That's true. I don't think clients actually sat down and said they wanted to separate media from creative. Absolutely not. But you've worked both creative and media side, developing strategies. Is there a big difference from your perspective in, in the way you approach solving the problem of the client, depending on what side of that table you sit in? I mean, I think there's quite entrenched ways of doing things, depending, as you say, which side you're on. In terms of creative agency, it, it's all about servicing the creative product. And in many instances, a lot is sacrificed in order to come up with and then keep the big idea sold. And from the creative, sorry, the media side, it's very much based on the data and the numbers. And in many instances, I found that 
an understanding or appreciation of the message that you're trying to get out there in media is lacking. And in some instances, in, in media agencies, um, the, 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 the individuals, the strategists, the account men, haven't even necessarily seen the creative or watched the creative or engaged with the creative whilst they're putting together the strategies. So you have a, a schism between one side, which is just focused on the numbers and not necessarily engaging with the creative product, and then the other side, which is all about the creative product, potentially at the expense of the most efficient and effective strategy for getting it out there. So it feels like you've kind of got, in some instance, the worst of both worlds, <laughs> which is why bringing the two together is of course the most powerful way to get a big idea out there in an efficient and effective fashion. Well, as you said earlier, you know, the ideal is that the two get, you know, actually get developed together and that they work hand in hand. But uh, you also made the comment that uh, marketers see this as a problem and want to solve it. But there are also a large group of marketers that have a preference as well. I mean, I've we've worked with and met with clients that we've suggested that they start working, you know, briefing both creative and, and media together. And they said, no, 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 you know, either... Uh, media is much more important. We've got to work out the channel. You know, we've got to work out where our audience is and how to reach them and what that's going to cost. And then we can do the creative. Or the other solution is do the creative and then that will inform the channel. To your uh, point that, you know, often channel gets planned or channel slash media, I use creative content channel media interchangeably. So, you know, just... Likewise. If, if you follow... Um, but yeah, it means that uh, that often channel is um, uh, planned or strategized without even knowing what the creative concept is, which just seems ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, I feel that there's also responsibility, obviously, that the client has to take within this kind of uh, brave, not so new world, and that is if you do have multiple agencies, the client really has to be the, um, the orchestrator or master of ceremonies to, 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 to pick up on one of your expressions um, that ultimately helps pull together the integrated campaign and in many instances police that integrated process through the system, um, which is obviously not ideal, but I think that expecting the agencies to kind of self-police is just wishful thinking, frankly. Mm. So clients need to take responsibility for this and responsibility for coming up with part of the solution. Well, one of the dangers is that power play that you would have seen in, in agencies where the clients basically say, well, you work it out. And then suddenly what they've actually created is a competition between creative and, and media over who, who gets the say or who, who's able to strong arm the other into what they need. Uh, yes. the, the old fashioned model was always, well, the creatives have said this can't be communicated in anything less than a 90 second ad. And the media uh, planners, they're pulling their hair out because they can barely afford 15s, let alone 30s, 60s or 90s. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that, you know, to, to, to flip, flip this to the positive, the opportunities that are created with every new media channel, especially in the world of social or in the world of messaging or in the world of apps, create so many more opportunities to tell a richer and more, I would say, 
cohesive and consistent brand story across all of the touch points. So, you know, this is a great opportunity, obviously, for the right creative thinking to see their campaign live and breathe in multiple places and therefore engage multiple consumers in this brand narrative. So it is you know, it is a, a wonderful world to work in if you can crack the integrated approach and, and not allow every new channel to fragment your brand rather than to build your brand. It's interesting you say that because there is now more channels than ever before, isn't there? And it must be a nightmare for marketers to be able to work through those choices, let alone the agencies. I mean, from the one of the big things that we've noticed is the power of FOMO, fear of missing out. The number of marketers that are struggling with budgets, and yet there's always a new channel that they have to be in. I think you know probably uh, TikTok yes. and, and Metaverse are the probably two things that every everyone's. Yeah, thinking that somehow they've got to find more money or, or claw some money back elsewhere to do that. But yes. this, this is where strategy is so important, isn't it? A absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I've found has been useful in conversations with clients around this opportunity of, of, of cohesion is making sure that you've got a really clear role of channel before you even start executing within that channel. So if you are going to be in TikTok, what is the why? <laughs> why TikTok? Is it about unleashing the creativity of your brand? Is it about um, creating edutainment for um, Gen Z? W what is the reason for being there? And only when you can clearly articulate that should you then think about starting to execute within that channel. And if you can't come up with a clear reason for being, don't be there. It's okay. Yeah. And that's the, that's the great thing about great strategy is it doesn't just inform what you should do, it informs what you shouldn't do. And a lot of people forget that, don't they? Absolutely. It's, it's about saying no as well as saying yes. And of course, if your strategy is, is clear and directional, it will preclude more things than it will include. So it's about kind of creating, I think it's about almost creating a, a walled garden to play in. So like that is the space in which you can play creatively and from a media point of view but don't go outside it. Mm. There'd be dragons. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's happened is that, you know, traditional, I'll call it traditional media, for, but there's lots of different titles, but traditional media, you weren't just buying an audience, you were also buying an environment. And, you know, you could buy, if you're a food, uh, a food brand and you are targeting people that were into food, you could actually target programming or environments where those people would congregate. Whereas, you know, you pick a lot of the social media and ads end up just popping up in, popping up in, the, um, in the feed, you know, that you really don't have a lot of that consideration anymore, do you? Um, that is true. Although, you know, each of these... Um new channels does create quite a unique environment for your message to appear within and a context in terms of the other types of creative and messaging or, or content that's being generated within those platforms. So understanding the space in which your, your brand is going to appear, whether it's on Facebook or Snapchat or on Instagram, is really important um, in terms of the type of messaging that your brand is going to be presenting there. Yeah. But do you think the environment is in, as important now as it was? 
you know, the idea of having your ad city. Yeah, I know um, a lot of the people that are against, uh, you know, saying things like hate speech and you don't want your ad sitting in something that's got a negative connotation, you know, that you don't want to be selling cars next to the old-fashioned thing, next to a story about a massive car accident or something. Um, there's not that same sort of protection, though, is it? People are much more focused on the audience and reaching the audience than they are the environment. The environment is whatever the the um, platform is, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. True, true to a certain extent, although I would say brand safety on these platforms has become, you know, increasingly important over time. And, you know, I know that the platforms have taken a lot of steps to ensure that your execution is not seen in the context of, um, you know, pornography or negative news stories, etc. Yeah. A challenging space. Yeah. Uh, so going back to this idea of get aligning the two, because, you know, part of your proposition is ensuring your brand media and messaging are working as effectively together as possible. What is that opportunity in the breadth of all of the, the variables that marketers and their agencies are dealing with? Um, it's a it's a it's a good question. I mean, the way that, that that we go about it is to have first of all a really clear audit of your media and your messaging to look at all the different touch points, how you show up as a brand within them, and look for the the opportunity or the problem within that. Um, then working on that really important integrated strategy, which ensures that the media and the messaging are working cohesively together rather than potentially against each other. Um, as part of that, obviously having kind of a clear um, proposition to springboard from communication principles as to how that shows up within um, the different media choices. And then, as I've mentioned before, that really clear role of channel so that clients have agreed to and understand why their brand and their messaging is showing up on these channels and the way in which it will show up and also the way in which it won't show up and making sure that that is understood through the organization so that when in many instances you know internal briefs are coming in for a piece of content on facebook or instagram or tiktok um those marketeers already have an understanding of the way in which the brand is going to show up on these channels or is not so um that kind of helps with a more kind of cohesive process internally and the types of briefs and hence messaging that shows up on these channels. So you're beginning to create a much more cohesive kind of structure around the communication and then coming back in afterwards to do an effectiveness audit um, to see what have been the efficiencies made in terms of the kind of the refresh strategy and, and media and messaging choices and also what is the return on marketing investment? And finally, what are the learnings that you can feed into the next iteration of that strategic process to ensure that it's a, a virtuous cycle ongoing? So it really is, in many ways, an end-to-end -end process because it's not just about getting the strategy right up front, but it's at every point ensuring that you're getting that alignment, I guess, to the strategy and measuring the results that come out of the other end. Absolutely. It's... Um, yeah, it, it's, it's an important process to go through, right down to almost the minutiae of having a, a media messaging matrix where you've got the audiences, the channels, the message, and also the measurement goal for each of those laid out. 
Um, and then finally, right down to integrated briefs, which ensure that the strategy is either executed internally or, or amongst the agencies. And for the clients you work with, and let's not name any names, but for the clients you work with, when you start working with them, is there often a lot of misalignment or are there often a lot of opportunities that are not even recognised? Like I'm just wondering, because certainly conversations we have, it's seen as an issue, but rarely then taken to the next level down of being able to identify how that issue is impacting their go-to-market strategy. Is, is that something that is probably the oh-wow moment when you're working with a client? I mean, I think, I don't think, I know that there is initially an understanding that things are not as cohesive as they could be and that the communication is somewhat fragmented. And in many instances, it's how the brand shows up on social media that's a very kind of clear indication of potentially a lack of cohesive story across the different touch points. So clients have that understanding initially but they don't necessarily know what the stage is between having a kind of clear brand strategy or a clear uh, creative idea and then how that has shown up in a fragmented fashion across mm. the different executions and part of what rebel angel strategy offers is is almost the connective glue between the brand idea or, or mm. the creative idea and how it's then executed on channel. And it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it sounds like a bit of a stuck record, but it is about having that clear role of channel and, and communication principles as to how the brand comes to life in those channels and have that in place before anybody starts executing. Yeah, it's, it's the fact that the channel is not just about reaching more people or reaching the same people, but it actually has a role beyond that. Absolutely. It has an impact on the types of messages that therefore show up on that channel. It was interesting. While you were saying that, Russ, I was thinking I've seen this particularly in things like, in categories like telco, financial services, where there's a performance marketing team that are absolutely chasing the numbers, Right. And often or, or sometimes we'll lose sight of the overall strategy because you know, they'll end up creating content that performs well but is not necessarily on strategy. And so it's, you can almost see them just start to peel off because they're getting results but they're getting it at the expense of sort of the brand consistency and representing or, or reinforcing what the brand actually means. It must be horrendous from the point of view of a brand marketer trying to keep that type of machine on on track yes that's a it's a very good point and i've also experienced clients who who've said yeah well our, our, our performance team is is yeah getting the results but but no one's given them no one has helped them execute in a way that is both effective on their channel but builds the brand as well yeah, so it shouldn't discipline, be, it the, shouldn't it be has one the or the discipline other discipline to keep the brand <laughs> yes as the as the foundation or the platform but also allows them to then test and respond to the, the results they're getting absolutely i'd imagine also there'd be a point creatively as well where you know, because a lot of people thought integration was having the same collar and cuffs, you know, 
and and that somehow making the creative piece and two strategy and then just rolling it out uh, is also an issue, isn't it? Because you know there was a time and and we worked a lot with a guy called Michael Farmer, mm-hmm. and collectively. Uh, him in the US and us in Australia, we noticed that from 2005 to 2019, the average number of outputs per brand delivered by a client, uh, by an agency for a client, went from around 200, 250 to 3,000 plus. And that's driven by all of these new channels, right? But the danger is that while you're producing a lot more volume, because it's often done under time and and cost pressure, what they're inclined to do is just do cut downs of the same work. And yet from what you're saying, that the channel purpose or the channel positioning, what was the phrase? Role of channel. Role of channel, yeah. Role of channel. Um, It means that you can't or you shouldn't necessarily be doing that, should you? Absolutely. Um, Which the opportunity is obviously to be choiceful around the volume of audiences, messages and channels. But when you have selected that, to have a clarity of strategic purpose or or creative idea, which is broad enough to flex across the channels, but also, as I said, having that clear role of channels so that you can adapt and change that messaging in a way that fits and is fit for purpose on the channel and isn't just the cut down of the uh, glorious 60 second DVC. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have more fun on TikTok? Why wouldn't you have a straighter message um, on corporate channels like LinkedIn? And why wouldn't you be creating more community around the idea on Facebook? Like the the creative opportunities are all there. Um, It's just about having the clarity of strategy before executing, I would Mm. suggest. It's interesting when you talk about the role of channel because, you know, it's also the role is the way the consumer leans in or how they consume it. You know, what's their mindset at the time, isn't it? But it's also the format as well, you know. Um, It's interesting, you know, Twitter famously changed their format from, you know, 140 characters to 280 and then, you know, with all those uh, uh, media embedding and, and TikTok has changed their format as well. And yet, you know, you hear in the industry, oh, six-second ads, you know, we've got to get it across on YouTube in six seconds. We're very hard to cut down this 60 or 30 to six seconds, isn't it, and make it meaningful. Is the role of channel also dependent on where it sits in the customer journey? Absolutely, absolutely. At what point does this touch point um engage the consumer and what's their mindset within that moment. So again, this isn't about matching luggage, which is kind of executional consistency. This is about having strategic consistency across that total journey, ultimately that ecosystem of communication, um, which still allows you creative freedom to adapt per channel uh, in terms of the, the, the message or the content, but making sure that it is still paying back to the brand and ensuring that it's consistency of messaging across these different touch points. Yeah. Russ, one of my um, bugbears is the way that the industry likes to take complex issues and, and break them down or try and make them conform to uh, 
what I call false dichotomies or false dilemmas. And, and in some ways, much of what you've set up uh, with Rebel Angel Strategy to do is to solve this problem of content and, and channel and bring them together. But I actually saw even recently in the trade media, they had one of those debates about which one was more important. Uh, what do you, how would you answer that if you were asked by an industry journalist? Is channel or content more important? I mean, for me, it is about having the right message in the right place at the right time. So obviously the, the message is, is critical but where you are telling that message and when you're telling that message obviously has a big impact on the way that that message is received. So the, the two are inextricably linked with each other and you will create more powerful messaging if you can get the medium right as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that uh, I was picked up once. I said to someone, the right message at the right time to the right person, and they said, at scale. <laughs> and I went, okay, at scale as well, you know, if you want to add one more in. But, I mean, uh, that then brings its own problems, doesn't it, being able to deliver. You know, personalisation was uh, the hot topic for a while, and I remember seeing someone make the proclamation that personalisation is dead that uh, we don't have enough real data to be able to do that properly. Yeah. Um, look, I've got another uh, uh, thing that I, you know, I wouldn't mind checking just with you, and that is that um, a, lot of, a lot of clients are really struggling with you know, short-term, long-term. Does that fit in here as well? Is there, in getting your, your strategy about long-term brand building. And I say this because, you know, all the reports say we're heading into some economic headwinds as, as the euphemism for um, a recession. But, you know, as we do, is there, by getting those two aligned, is there something that delivers a benefit to marketers that in, in the face of those sorts of economic headwinds? Absolutely. I mean, for a start, getting a more cohesive and integrated communication strategy brings with it efficiencies and effectiveness. So there are cost savings if you are being more choiceful in your channels and your volume of messaging and your number of audiences. And you will also be more effective in terms of the return on marketing investment that you see. So that's one of the benefits of, of cohesion. And the other is, you know, paying back to the brand and ensuring that you, even in performance driving executions, ensure that you are paying back to the brand. I'm always a great believer in the um, good old Les Binet's long and short of it, and that ultimately building brands over the long term with you know, potent brand building activity also yields financial benefits in terms of sales. It's not one or the other. And potentially going into uh, another R word, um, one mustn't lose sight of the power of brand building to build the business and to drive the bottom line as well. And especially because so many brands immediately make cuts to all of their marketing, uh, advertising activity, and particularly to brand building. And yet I saw a great quote that uh, came out recently, 
in a recession, and let's say the, the R word, let's not treat it like Voldemort, <laughs> it shan't be named, but in a recession, if, if the consumers are not actively in the market at that particular time, you should be looking to reinforce long-term so that when they are, they'll immediately pop back. You know, In some ways, putting more money into performance um, marketing is going to be a fool's errand because there will be less people in the market at any particular time. So you'll only convert those that are there. The long-term brand building is the opportunity. And, and to your point, this consistency of aligning strategy, you know, uh, brand and, and comm strategy with channel strategy has to pay off dividends. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the, the right financial choice. Now, without this being a sales uh, pitch for yourself, you know, what are some things that marketers should be thinking about now if they feel like they're not getting this alignment, not getting this uh, cohesion between the two? I would suggest that the, the first port of call is an audit, whether done by Rebel Angel Strategy or by others, to really understand what your state of play is right now in terms of your media and your messaging and the efficacy of that or, or otherwise. And then I would suggest it's about working collaboratively on an integrated strategy that works across a refined choice of, of, of channels, audiences, and the messages therein. And as part of executing that strategy, making sure that you have integrated briefs and briefings. So both when I've been on agency side, but also when I've been a client, I've, I've always insisted on either receiving or writing an integrated brief and, and briefing both the media agency and the creative agency at the same time with one singular brief, because if you start writing two briefs at the beginning of a campaign, you've already begun to fragment it, uh, and demanding that they come back with an integrated response together. Um, and off the back of that, giving them in plural, an uh, integrated uh, response, and then tra trafficking uh, or, or managing the, uh, the integrated process from strategy right through to execution and, and, and ensuring that you as a client either bring someone in to, 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 to manage that process um, or you facilitate that process yourself. But I think expecting the agencies to come up with a kind of self-regulating process is a fool's errand. And I would suggest as a client, making sure that you've got a clear integrated process that gets you the integrated strategy, the integrated execution, and they'll ultimately come back in at the end and do that integrated post-campaign report, uh, looking at the efficiencies and effectiveness of the campaign and market, and then feeding that all back in. So the upshot is ensure that you are integrated at all points throughout the campaign and that's how you are going to create a more effective and efficient piece of activity in market it sounds obvious doesn't it it in some ways it's like this is what you should do and everyone would go of course but it's a lot harder isn't it and and i know from seeing you know clients uh, immediately put on a media brief they have a reach and frequency target and then on the creative brief, they have a, you know, this is what they're thinking now and this is what we want them to think. The one bit that's missing is what is overall the objective of this activity? You know, we've got this amount of money that we want to invest into the marketplace to achieve some sort of 
movement, some change, whether you know they want to measure it against sales or inquiries or whatever. But already, to your point, they start with briefs that have totally different KPIs, totally different objectives. And they're often paying their agencies or measuring their performance on totally different um, sets of numbers and behaviours, aren't they? Yeah, and the upshot of that is you will end up with fragmented brand communication. Yeah. So bring it all together, make sure it's cohesive, uh, and find that opportunity for holistic strategy at the heart of your brand and communication. Or talk to Rebel Angel Strategy. (laughs) (laughs) And there was the ad. (laughs) We will include the website on the notes. (laughs) Couldn't resist. That's fine. You're a man in advertising. You've spent a career in advertising. You should be promoting the the business. Well, I I believe in what we do, and I believe it is of import and effectiveness for building brands. So I'm happy to champion it. And I imagine this is the, the type of work you do would appeal across a very broad range of advertiser. Because I know from experience, you know, that when you've got small... Uh, smaller marketing teams, they will often struggle with how to manage the various agencies. When you've got very large marketing teams, you then have the problem that you have specialists. Often you'll have you know a media specialist in-house and a creative specialist or a brand specialist in-house who are already talking to their agency as if they're separate. Is that your experience? Is that you know, is there a very broad um, opportunity here? I would, yes, I would agree that there is a broad opportunity. I have found that part of the opportunity is in complexity. So the greater the volume of audiences, messages, channels, and agencies that a brand or a client has to deal with, there is an increasing need for a more cohesive and coherent strategy that sits at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's, it's kind of the problem of abundance sometimes. <laughs> more is not necessarily more. Well, yeah, I love, I love complexity theory and I love the fact that people hate complexity and yet manage to create it in every aspect of their lives, especially in marketing. It seems to be a natural... Uh, uh, what's the, uh, the measure of entropy in marketing is, is constantly increasing. Disorder is, is king. <laughs> totally agree. With, without it, though, where would we be? Clara? Exactly. But I think um, to your point about complexity, there's organisational complexity, there's structural complexity. Um, often, though, there's also um, complexity. You know, and I'm talking medium-sized clients. You know, I'm not talking the SMEs. But you know, we've we've seen quite tight marketing teams. And when I say tight, you know, could it be less than 10 people in that marketing team really struggle with clarity? Because one of the things is that there'll be lots of points of input into that strategy from the business, from the various suppliers, that type of thing. And so they will end up with lots of target audiences. They will end up with lots of messages, you know, even on the one brand. Um, And it's difficult then to get that clarity that leads to simplicity. Yes, I think that's a very fair point. And and part of what you can offer clients is sometimes the 
fragmented nature of the business is reflected in the fragmentation nature of the communication. So it's a kind of the issue is 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 one to fix internally first before you can then worry about fixing the the external um, challenges of fragmentation. So providing clients with clarity around the brand, the communication, the ways to go to market, an integrated process, how to show up on specific channels, all, all of that. And, and dare I say, even helping them create a culture of social or a culture of digital inherent within the organization is, is, is part of the battle to get a more cohesive and consistent execution of that brand externally so yeah there's a lot that you can do to help internally first before you worry about that the external communication of that yeah i um i love this uh concept russ because uh, i wrote an article which said uh, there's no strategists left in the world they're just salespeople. Because I've never met a, um, a media strategist that didn't recommend media. I've never met a comm strategist that didn't re recommend PR. Uh, what I love about this is by taking a very broad view of strategy and, and bringing that discipline and that cohesion to the, uh, the, the, the process means that the focus is on results and not on selling the services of the person that's hiring you. Absolutely. I, I mean, we, I don't have, we don't have a creative arm. We don't have a media buying arm. There's no production arm. It's just strategy, um, which I, I believe there is a purity of purpose to a strategic endeavor, which is about meeting that objective in the yeah. best way possible without being um, wedded to the way that that's executed. So thank you. Russ Minchinson, founder and CEO of Rebel Angel Strategy. I'm sorry, we've run out of time, but thank you so much for coming and uh, having a chat with us. And it's been an absolute delight. I do have a, uh, a question for you, and that is with your experience on uh, creative and media side, which one pays best? <laughs>